Welcome this morning. If you are new, we do have um, welcome bags for you. Please grab them on your way out. We'll, um, it's got a little coffee cup in there that I heard people really enjoy. And so it's got a CD and it's got just about what our church is about, a statement of faith and different things in there for you to learn more about our church and what we are about. One thing I will say if you're new this morning that we are not a perfect church. Uh, but we are a church that strives to be more like Jesus and to come closer to Him. To me, there's nothing as important as knowing Him. And one of the things that we covered on Wednesday night with our Experiencing God study is that there is nothing in life worth more than a relationship with Him. There's nothing as important as communicating with Him, spending time with Him, and getting to know Him better. Um, actually, you know, the scripture that says this in, in John, uh, that says eternal life is to know God. And sometimes I think we get it mixed up. We think eternal life is to get to heaven, but really eternal life is to have an intimate relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. This morning we're talking about anxiety and, and depression, worry and fear, all these things that really are plaguing our society and the American culture today. And I won't say the stats because I said them two weeks in a row, but it is high number of people this year that will struggle with some type of anxiety or depression or fear. Um, I listened to a message by um, the, a worship leader for Bethel a week ago, and he talked about in the height of all that they were doing, and he's been in church, involved in church work for a long time, he all of a sudden came down with a panic attack. And it took him months to recover. And he was fine, but then he, it just hit him. And as I was reading through commentaries this week, it's interesting because it is true about worry, and you've heard me say it a lot, is sometimes it just hits you like a ton of bricks. You can just be sitting there and anxiety attacks you. You have no clue where it's coming from, but it gets you. And then, then you can't look at anything else. That's all you see. You worry about the problem. And then if you can't fix the problem, or if you're a worrier and you've made mistakes, then you see your mistakes and then it takes you down a deep, dark hole into depression. Because all you're seeing is your problems and all you're seeing is yourself in the midst of those problems. And it's not like this for everybody, but for a majority of us, anxiety, worry, and depression come from this. One of the things that I said last week is that I'm not a doctor. So when I talk about all these things that we struggle with, do not take it out of context that there is good things that doctors do for people in this area. And I will encourage you that if you need help, to seek help. But at the same time, what is happening is that we are becoming so dependent on drugs and the pharma pharmacies that we are forgetting as believers that the Word of God is our first resource. Out of everything. Now, I don't say that, that, um, the doctors are not doing good things because God has given us the ability to make medicine and medicine to help us get through these things. But as I'm learning about anxiety and depression and fear, it's the chemicals that go on in the brain, it switches the brain. And there's a lady that, a doctor, Leith, that has written about this and, 
I don't know much about it, so I probably shouldn't talk a lot about it, but I know that it switches the chemicals and it begins to make you think different than you normally would. But you see, as believers, we have something that comes in and combats the negative with truth. If you think about it, there is a father of lies and there is a father of truth. Who's the father of lies, as the Scripture says? It's Satan. And the father of truth is Jesus. So, And I just want you to know that Jesus is so much stronger than the father of lies. Because the father of lies, he can say whatever he wants and he can cripple us with fear, but that's all it is. And I talked about in 2017, if you thought about all your worries and all your anxiety and how they have passed and how you've made it through, you look back on that time and say, why did I get so caught up in worry and anxiety? And as I was thinking about it this week and this message, I don't know why it came to my mind, but I was thinking of that chair. And if you have experienced this in your life, you walk into your grandpa's house or your papa's house, however you want to say it, there's this chair that nobody sits in. Have you guys experienced that? I think it's still something that we do. I know if my kids are in my chair and I just kind of look at them and they start scattering. Not because I mean, this is dad's chair. I didn't have to say that. I didn't have to say, that's my, well, maybe I did. That's my chair. They get it and they just move. And I think about growing up and going into houses and to my grandparents' house, that was grandpa's chair. Or that was dad's chair. And it wasn't a sense of fear that you didn't sit there. It was a sense of respect. And oftentimes I think we're losing that respect for authority, but I want you to think today about the chair of all chairs. And it's God. He sits in His throne above, and that throne is for Him alone. It wasn't meant for us. And from the time of the beginning of creation, there has been a fight and Satan has fought God, and he, he's created being, that's number one, he is a created being, but he's fought to be like God. That was his fault. He wanted to raise himself above God. And it's the same with humans. It's no different than us. Is it's, it's a mortal fight for us, is that self-centeredness, selfishness, all that is rooted in the evil one himself, if you think about it. Because when you are selfish and self-centered, you are actually putting yourself above others. And so we're going to look at the book of Philippians today, in chapter 4. And we're going to look about what it is to lose, to be a loser today. You know? Not too legit to quit. Too le you guys, some of you remember that. I do. But we're going to be the biggest losers today. And the title of the message is, I Lose, You Win. And this is a very good way of looking at life. Is that God deserves all respect, all authority, and all our love. And we love Him because He first loved us. So anything that I say today, I want you to look through the lens of love in a biblical worldview. Is that we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. 
We don't have to get depressed. But, if we do, we have a weapon. You see, this isn't a message about us and them. This is a message about us. If I had time this morning, I could take you through the whole Bible and talk about men who were fearful and depressed and scared of the enemy. This is the Bible. And when I share with others something that I hang my hat on, is that we are not, as Christians, we don't shrink back from the imperfect. I talk to Muslims and, and different things and They're like, none of the prophets have sinned. And that's what they believe. None of them have sinned. And I'm like, well, that's not what a believer believes. That's why we need Christ. Because we are all imperfect. But there is a reality that there are some who struggle more with anxiety, more with worry than others. So if you're on the side where you aren't a cautious person, praise God. Praise God for you, doggone it. I wish He made me like you, but if you're somebody that struggles with anxiety and depression and worry and fear, all these messages are for you and really all these messages are for all of us. But if you look at it that you lose and He wins, we can get through this thing. So I'm going to hit three points this morning is the Lord is near, don't worry, and the third is Think on these things. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Philippians. It deals with everything. It deals with pride. It deals with um, looking at yourself and, and then being challenged as to look at others as more important than yourselves. And Paul writes this book, and I think he writes it well and pinning it. And sometimes I think we look at it and we don't realize what Paul went through to have this message from Philippians. And one of my greatest joys was standing uh, in Philippi and standing on the shores where Lydia was baptized. One of my greatest joys was doing it with my in-laws and my two oldest children. To know that the first convert was Lydia on the European con- continent and to be there because it's all good Orthodox Christians. They build a church where something has happened. And it was a great privilege. And as I sit and I walk through the ruins of Philippi, what a great privilege it is to know that this book was written to those people. And that Paul was actually imprisoned in Philippi. And I've got a picture of where he was jailed. And it's really unique. But let's start in Scripture. Uh, verse 4 through 5 in chapter 4 of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. We're just going to stop there for a moment. And you know, I've been talking about how do we overcome anxiety? How do we overcome fear and depression? And it always is rooted in praise and worship and focusing on God. And so when Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord always, and then he says it as a matter of fact again, rejoice, he's saying that is what we need to do. And he's giving practical counsel here in Philippians. Philippians. 
And then he goes on to say, let your graciousness be known to everyone. And some translations say gentleness. And the Lord is near. And I want us to look at one aspect this morning from these two verses for the first point is the Lord is near. And you see, us who struggle and you that struggle with anxiety and these different things is you need to know that Jesus is near. That He's not way off. He's right in the center of your life. And it's not talking here about the Lord is coming or the Lord's return is near, although we see that in other places in the Scripture, but that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying Jesus is right by your side. And there's nothing better than getting by people and fellowshipping with people that know that Jesus is right near. Because when you're in their presence, you see verse 5 coming alive. They are gentle and they are gracious. Somebody that knows how to abide and abide in Christ, there is something about them that is different. Is when they know that Jesus is near, they're good to be around. And all of us struggle in this area. All of us, when we're going through life and the busyness of life, is sometimes we forget that Jesus has got this. That He is sitting on His throne as we talked about already, and that He's not leaving that throne. Could you imagine that as believers, if we just realized every moment, every second, every breath, that Christ is right near us, how much better would our lives be? How much more peaceful would it be? How much more gracious would we be to those around us and gentle to those around us? I want to give you a few words of encouragement from God's Word. And sometimes I feel like I cheat God because really all I need to do up here is is speak His Word. The Word speaks enough and then I fill in the blanks. Not for sure why sometimes. Let's go to Hebrews 13. Verses 5 and 6. And this, I want to just give you some Scriptures that maybe you can meditate on later, memorize, whatever you want to do with it. Let these Scriptures sink in. It says this, Keep your life free from the love of money. And that's not even what I'm focusing on this morning, but that is good words. And how often our anxiety, our depression, and our worries come from money and what we're going to buy and, and when Christ promises that He will supply all our needs. Then it goes on, be satisfied with what you have. Be satisfied for what you have. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore uh, therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord will not abandon you. 
He will always be right by your side no matter what you're going through. Let's go to Psalm 73 real quick. Verses 21 through 28. When I became embittered in my, in, in my innermost being, and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. And I'm glad my kids aren't here to hear the word stupid. That's a cuss word to them. And so when I read that, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say that, but it's right here in my translation. But it isn't that how we are, as the psalmist is saying it so correctly, when we are wounded in our innermost being, I was stupid and didn't understand and I was unthinking animal toward the Lord. And see, this is what I was talking about earlier. Sometimes we get so in a tizzy when we're struggling with different things, with wounds and, and life, and we just become as unthinking animals. And I I know that's rough, so just hold on with me. Because some of you know what I'm talking about. You lose it. You flip a lid. And then it goes on, Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do. And I want you to think about it like this. Is it no matter what you are going through right now, no matter what trials you are going through or what potential trials you are getting yourself into, that God is holding your right hand? Have you ever taken the moment to just put out your hand and actually let God feel, touch your right hand? And believe that He's holding your right hand. And realizing He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. The psalmist also says that He holds your right hand where you will never fall headlong. And I love this Scripture because when I'm holding my kids' hands and they trip, Daddy's right hand is there to pick them up. And every time I think of God's hand holding mine, And He never forsakes me. He will never leave me. No matter what I do, He will not leave me when I've made Him Lord of my life, when I've become the biggest loser. And He is the winner. John 14.27 says, and I'll just read through these two verses really quick. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. John 16.7 says this, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is not for your benefit that I 
It is for your benefit. It is that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Counselor, the Comforter, will not come to you. If I go, I will send Him to you. I want you to know this morning that God has not left you alone. There's a belief system in this world that we fight against that God created us and then God gets away from us and He just sits on His throne and we sit here to fend for ourselves. That is not the Christian faith. God will never leave you. So number two is don't worry. If God is truly in control, if He's truly the God of the universe, if He truly supplies everything that we need, that He'll never forsake us, then why are we worrying? And this morning, I'm not condemning you for worrying. I want to encourage you in the midst of your worrying. You see, I'm one that has had to struggle with worry all my life. I was a shy kid. They put me in special classes because I was a shy kid. Because I didn't talk. And so they would stick me in the classes with other kids that was just kind of freaky for me. Because I was in the shell and I didn't know how to come out of the shell, but thank God that He gave me an errand which is my twin brother Justin, and we're identical twins. So he spoke for me. Throughout all, he even wrote my term paper to graduate. Praise the Lord for identical twins. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesus changed my... He's making all things new. And as I was contemplating this over the years, the last few years of my life, I was deemed as unnormal. Because I was shy. And my mom says, I can't believe that you've traveled the world because you were the one that would not leave my side. And now I'm the one that won't come home. <laughs> and she rejoices for that. She really, well, okay. <laughs> she's proud of me. How about she's proud of me? <laughs> I, okay. So I've had to do this. And the Lord spoke to me a few years ago. So if you were struggle with this, is that the world deems you as not normal. See, the world has these graphs and it's done from the birth all the way up till we die as they figure this is normal. And they, right, they measure you in the womb and wow, your child isn't quite up to par. Not that you can do anything about the child in the womb, but it's not normal and you begin to worry. But God began to speak to me and say, let me say what is normal. Don't let the world define what is normal. Let me define it. And then He said this, I am still creating you. I am still creating you. He is not done with your life. What you have right now is not the finished product. Actually, the finished product will be when you are like Jesus in heaven. Until that day comes, He's working on you and rejoice in that and don't worry. And you see, the Scripture says, verses 6-7, through seven, and we all know these Scriptures, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known with thanksgiving. Let your prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we'll talk about thankfulness in the third point. But this is a promise. This is why when I get anxious, when I worry, and I feel myself getting depressed, I can run a thousand times, and I can get on my knees a thousand times, even in the midst of my worry, and the worries just keep come flooding in, and I can lay them before the Father a thousand times and rely on the promise that His peace is coming. And that His peace, it goes beyond my own comprehension. And not only that, but it guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, this word that Paul is talking to us did not come easy. So I want to share some Scripture with you. It's just like any hymn that you read in your hymnal usually came from great sorrow or pain. And so we won't look at all the Scripture, but I'll reference it on the screen in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16-33. through I'm just going to run through all these things. I hope you can see them. It's kind of small. But just let me read them. Five times I received 39 lashes from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. And the Philippians knew this because it was in the jail at Philippi that he was beaten. And an earthquake came. One time I was stoned and left for dead. Three times shipwrecked, spent one night and one day in the sea. Dangers from rivers, robbers, Jews, Gentiles, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea. Wherever I went, Paul can say this, I faced danger among false brothers. Constantly, Paul was having to fight for his integrity and for who he was. Toil and hardship was the lot of Paul. Many sleepless nights. Hunger and thirst, often without food. Cold without clothing. And I think of Paul and I'm like, Paul, you crazy man. You're crazy. Why didn't you just give up? And even Jesus said, hey, go to Paul and tell him all the things that he's going to suffer. I'm going to show him all that he's going to suffer for me. So all these things Paul has experienced, the Apostle Paul, he is no different than you and I. But then he goes on in the Scripture, he says not to mention other things. There is a daily pressure on me. My concern for all the churches. So when I look at everything that Paul has faced, and then he says, my concern is for you. And I'm like, you would be the least of my concerns. But it shows the heart of Paul. And I want to say this, is that there is a great burden when you do pastor a flock, and I want you to know that there is not anyone in this room that I do not care for, that I do not worry for, that I do not pray for. 
And so I understand this aspect of what Paul is saying. Although I face my own anxieties, although I face my own fears, there is nothing as important to know that you know Christ better and that He takes you through your circumstances. But here's the deal. We'll turn back to chapter 3 of Philippians, verses 7-11, through and this is why Paul could do what he did. And I want to encourage you to do the same. But everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. Do you need me to say what dung is? No. You can, some of you say that already. So that I may gain Christ and to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, not having a righteousness from what I do or from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that is based on faith. My goal is to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. You know why Paul could endure such hardships? And it even says in another Scripture that Paul even thought the loss of life was right at the doorsteps, not only him alone, but the group he was with, is because he lost everything to gain Christ. You see, so often that we are putting ourselves to where only Christ can be. And so I want to ask you this morning, and sort of it is an altar call for you, is that are you a loser today? And if you're not, you need to be. Because when you lose, He wins. And when He wins, you gain life. You see, we need to take ourselves off the throne if you want to experience strength, peace, and His nearness. You need to take yourself off the throne. Counting your life is nothing so that you can know Christ. There's no better blessing. Nothing so powerful. It will set you free from selfishness and pride. Number three is think on these things. Paul is giving us a solution to our problem. And I like as we were praying this morning for the service, it was prayed that in the midst of us talking about these things, that you are not alone. You see, fear, depression, anxiety wants to isolate you. But I want to encourage you, do not isolate yourself. We are here for you, with you, and we want to be here for you. Paul says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, 
whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. And just to give you a couple practical examples of this, and I guess my life must be messed up because I have a lot of examples. And it's not that I want to talk about myself. I promise. I just got a lot of problems. I remember when I first came here in the church, we were going through a lot of transition. I'm making it, I've made it past year two. Yeah. I'm telling you, in the, in the church world today, it's a big deal. Because two and done. But I would wake up in the morning and just say, I'm tired. And some of you have heard this, because I talk about it, and I, preachers repeat themselves, so please forgive me. But I would wake up often saying, I'm so tired today. I'm so tired. And I'd roll out of bed and get on my knees and then get up and go. And the Lord spoke to me one day and said, why are you saying you're so tired? Why are you speaking this over your life? And it goes right here with the Scripture to think on things that are good, honorable, lovely, commendable, and of moral excellence, praiseworthy. Dwell on these things. Because as a man thinks, so he is. Proverbs 29. We need to begin to think I'm victorious. I'm not defeated. I am going to overcome. This problem isn't going to overcome me. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and some people say it's a train. I say it's a light, and it's Jesus. I look at it through my eyes. And I've been in those situations where I thought, there is no light. There's no light coming. When am I going to see the light? And sometimes it's a long time coming, and in some situations I still haven't seen that light. But I know it's coming. How do I know it's coming? Because the Word of God tells me it is. And then also this week, how fickle we are. I was writing down a thankfulness for God just came through and was very specific in two prayer requests. And so I was writing in my journal, just thanking God so much for what He had done. And then two days later, something similar comes in my life. And I begin to be anxious and worry. I'm like, Lord, help me. You just answered the exact same prayers. And how often we forget that God is right there in the midst answering all of our prayers in His timing. F.F. Bruce says this, and I'll end the service. Moreover, a grateful remembrance of past blessings is a safeguard against anxiety for the future. It adds confidence to the prayer for continued blessings. Hence, the importance of thanksgiving in all our prayers. Let me read that one more time. Moreover, a grateful remembrance of past blessings is a safeguard against anxiety for the future. It adds confidence to the prayer for continued blessings. 
Hence the importance of thanksgiving in all our prayers. You see, if the worship team could come forward and all get out of their way, is this is what Paul is talking about. When we come with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we're putting the realm back into God's realm, and then we remember all that God has done. That if God had done this for me in the past, He will definitely do it for me in the future. But see, the thing is that He doesn't always do it the same. But He is the same God that fed the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. He is the same God that has provided for you when you had no way out. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we want to do next week, we're going to talk about this awesome thing called rest. And it's going to be from Hebrews 3. And it talks about some not entering this rest, and maybe I shouldn't, I can preach, I'll preach a second sermon. It's talking about entering this rest, and we don't because of our unbelief. But see, when we're thankful, and when we're laying our request before the Father, it's less room for unbelief. And then we walk in this peace that surpasses all our understanding. So this morning, You'd stand with me and we're going to worship together. And I also want to challenge you because see, there's every week there needs to be a challenge to come to Christ if you don't know Him. There always needs to be that challenge and I will not ask forgiveness for saying if you are not the biggest loser today, that come and lose your life for the sake of gaining Christ. And so if you are one that struggles and maybe you can't come forward this morning because of that, please seek counsel and seek prayer. And the elders are here for you to pray with you. But if you feel this morning that you do need to respond as we're worshiping, I myself and the other elders will be here to pray with you and to pray for you. And then I also want you to be thanking in the line of that is next week, I want you to be thinking of something that you need to lay down. And to be ready to lay it down if you, if you haven't before then. Whatever you're struggling with. Because see, Jesus, He wants to set you free. And who Jesus sets free is free indeed. We need to replace the lies of the enemy with truth. So as we worship this morning, we're here to pray with you and for you. Father, I just I want to pray this morning, God, we're stressed. Some of us are so stressed and so ridden with anxiety. Jesus, I just I think of you. I think of you on the cross. But I also think of the empty grave and I think the power God that is in you and the name that is above all names and that Lord the righteous can run into it and they are saved. 
And God, there are some brothers and sisters, Lord, that can't do this for themselves. And so, Lord, I want to pray for them this morning. And I want to intercede for them and just, God, carry them with me and say, Lord, let your power move in their lives. God, your presence is so good. It is so good and it frees us. It brings joy and strength. So Jesus, we cry out to You. Those eyes that burn with fire. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we long for You. We long for You to be glorified. We long for You to come and and heal Your people. Jesus we're tired of playing the games we're tired of wearing the mask you know us you know us allow us to walk in freedom and I pray that every chain will be broken of fear and anxiety and depression Let it fall off right now in your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.